This is not Sean Connery, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to the 430 Movie Podcast at 430movie.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. We are the Inglorious Trexperts, and I'm very excited to have a special guest with us today. Uh, he's the uh, creator of TNT's hit show with Eric McCormick, Perception, and he also was uh, perhaps more relevant to this podcast, <laughs> uh, a writer-producer on both Star Trek Voyager and Enterprise, Mr. Michael Sussman. Michael, welcome. Welcome. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, the thing about Michael that makes him cool is he's actually a big Star Trek fan because the dirty little secret of these shows is that not uh, everyone who worked on Star Trek is a Star Trek fan. What? I know. How can that Spoiler be? Spoiler alert, but Mike is a big Trek fan and uh, did some of the best episodes of both shows. So uh, I hope we're not outing you. <laughs> he's allowed, now he's allowed to talk now, about now it. Now I'm allowed to he's talk. He's allowed to come out of the and Star Trek I'm, closet. I'm a Star Trek fan, right? <laughs> when he was on not the when show. you're working there. No. <laughs> That's not true, mostly. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a long time. You're allowed to, 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 to be honest. It's, uh, everyone's doing just fine. If you look at the veterans, it's like, uh, and who is the biggest uh, Star Trek fan of all there? Ron Moore. And he sure hasn't enough. amounted to anything, has he? Ron who? <laughs> I actually did um, a master class with Ron this weekend at New York Comic Con and um, it was so interesting because it was a two hour class and it was me and Chris Parnell interviewing him and um, what did they teach you? They didn't teach us anything. We taught them. <laughs> oh. And you know, we talked a lot about Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. And it's amazing. After all these years, there's still stories I haven't heard. You know, that, and, sure. and he had great stories. And we talked about Galactica. And we talked about some of his pilots that never got picked up. And, of course, you get to Outlander. And it's like, apparently, that's all they wanted to hear about. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it was so funny. I mean, it was like, you know, Deep Space Nine. It was like polite applause. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, a little more applause. Outlander, the room went crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... um, but it was really, really fun, and and obviously, you know, Ron has such great stories, and of course, Battlestar Galactica has its origin in his experience on Deep Space Nine and and Voyager. Sure. But uh, today's episode, we uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about. It's we're not... heading to a dangerous ion storm. <laughs> we're going to that must mean we are talking about the mirror universe. The mirror universe is a, a staple of uh, Star Trek uh, storytelling. It was uh, created in the second season episode Mirror Mirror, written by Jerome Bixby, and has been the subject of uh, notorious fan fiction and even some some real episodes of the show ever since. Uh, And of course, um, I think, and this is not just because Michael's here, I would say it if Mike wasn't here, that it has also laid the groundwork for two of the best episodes of Enterprise ever produced, which are um, in a mirror darkly, the uh, Enterprise... um, uh, Episodes, uh, mirror, you know, and mirror episodes, which we'll we'll talk about, which I love. I just think they're so much fun. You're a man of integrity in both universes, Mr. Spock. You must return to your universe. I must have my captain back. I shall operate the transporter. You have two minutes and ten seconds. For that time, I have something to say. How long before the Hulk prediction of galactic revolt is realized? Approximately two hundred and forty years. The inevitable outcome? The Empire shall be overthrown, of course. The illogic of waste, Mr. Spock. A waste of lives, 
potential resources, time, I submit to you that your empire is illogical because it cannot endure. I submit that you are illogical to be a willing part of it. You have one minute and 23 seconds. If change is inevitable, predictable, beneficial, doesn't logic demand that you be a part of it? One man cannot summon the future. But one man can change the present. Be the captain of this enterprise, Mr. Spark. Find a logical reason for sparing the Hulkins and make it stick. Push till it gives. You can defend yourself better than any man in the fleet. Captain, get in the chamber! What about it, Spock? The man must also have the power. In my cabin is a device that will make you invincible. Indeed. What will it be? Past or future? Tyranny or freedom? It's up to you. It is time. In every revolution, there's one man with a vision. Captain Kirk, I shall consider it. And it also shows you, you know, all these times with the J.J. movies and Discovery, and they say, oh, you know, the production design of the original Star Trek is so dated, you have to reinvent it for a new generation. But Enterprise proved how well um, that original production design stands up. Yeah, it all depends on how you like it. I mean, it, it looked great in those episodes. Yeah. It was well, Herman Zimmerman and everybody did uh, such an amazing job recreating those sets. And But I'll tell you, we were we were behind the scenes, like secretly terrified that it was going to look terrible. Right, right. Contrasted with our, you know, then modern yeah. early 2000 sets. And, and I was even, uh, like in the script, we had to make sure that, you know, the that this we described the ship as being very dark because we were afraid if you put too much light on it, <laughs> right, it would look right. super extra cheesy. But yeah. it it actually it, it looked even better and it brought the you know the colorful bridge displays out even more and it looked it looked like a million bucks. It it, it breaks my heart because um, I don't know if you've seen it. One of the books where it was a lot of um, conceptual art on, on the original JJ movie and one version they leaned into the original production design mm-hmm. of the original and it was. Basically, you know, taking the original uh, Enterprise from the cage um, and sort of extrapolating and making it contemporary. But, you know, it was as far from an Apple store as possible. It was that what you guys did. And it was beautiful. And it just kills me, whether it had been for Enterprise or for the movies or now with Discovery, that there's this sense that that, you know... Well, it doesn't a, work. That there's aesthetic there's a sense doesn't that work. The old, the old show was made out of cardboard, and that's just ludicrous because it was the most expensive show to be produced in the 60s ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. No. And it was actually plywood, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's a, uh, a the, you know that website, Memory Alpha? Yeah, sure. There's a, uh, I guess on the, on the behind-the-scenes pages, there's a photo that I took. I don't know how they got it. It was a picture I took of the bridge that we built for Amir Darkly, and you could, so you can see... Uh, the set and the set was all lit up for like the very first time and I you know grabbed my camera and took a photo but then you also see behind it you see the plywood you see the you know the wires going into the monitors and they took that and they made that their behind the scenes uh, photo and for which I get like absolutely no money but right um, I don't just know that website. I know the actual planetoid on which it was built. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but uh, oh, I, I that used to scare me as a kid. I hated watching that episode because whenever the the, the, the you know that they're doing that weird speaking to to, to Romaine to, to yeah that right. creepy thing on Memory Alpha <laughs> that used to terrify me as a kid. That that uh, that yeah. Plus the loss to the galaxy was incalculable. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my it's, it's almost like the loss of the uh, Library of Alexandria. Almost. <laughs> almost. But not quite. <laughs> Less deep talking. Yeah, and, and they lost a lot more floppy disks. In right. That, and that, uh, that Unfortunately, tag. they had backed up all of Memory Alpha on one of those blue floppies. That, uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> technology. Double, double density <laughs> floppies. Floppy disk technology has come so far. To, to, to bring it back to uh, that episode, though, sitting in that captain's chair, they had two or three painted blocks of plywood mm-hmm. floppy disks in the, in the cap in the in the little nook of the captain's chair which was just perfect that's so funny it reminds me you remember the last episode we were talking about how i went to um uh the set of too short a season the first season the, right and um when they gave us the set tour they said nobody sits in the captain's chair except for patrick so i wanted to get a picture in the captain's chair i'm like okay i understand so i walk off my freaking ro- college roommate sits down. Says, "Can you take a picture of me?" He has this great picture of him in the captain's chair, and I'm like, "Mark, fortune favors the bold." Yeah, apparently. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was that was it. That was a huge mistake. Um, but uh, yeah, we were talking about how beautiful those sets looked, and 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 they they really do. And it's interesting because when they did relics, which I think is the first time they recreated the original uh, Star Trek sets, they literally only built like two walls. And then they, they filled it out with footage from the yeah. side of Paradise. They built a wedge and a half, and they had the uh, captain's chair and the uh, con. And that seemed incredible. Then, for Trouble with Tribulation, Trials and Tribulations, they built more of the bridge. But even then, I don't think even it was then the it entire bridge. No. And that looked great. Yeah. But for your episodes, because it was two and they were, amort- they were able to amortize it over the two episodes, they built the whole bridge, right? It was the only reason we were able to to build it because we had planned on, on making it two episodes and they really did break the budget. I mean, you know, the show was, we were, that was our final season ultimately yeah, and we yeah. found out halfway through shooting that, that the show had been canceled. The halfway yeah. shooting that episode, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah which was strangely ironic. Um, but, uh, I'm sorry, I'm totally spacing out the question. No, no, <laughs> it's funny, you're talking about finding out, but that, you know, here you're having a great time, you're like, Riding high, and you know, you just wrote a mirror episode. You know, the, the cast has never been better. I mean, you're having super fun time, and then all of a sudden, you're the show was canceled. What did that feel like? Uh, I mean, it was it was a little surreal. I mean, I think looking back now, people, you know, the narrative is that we knew this was our final season, and we didn't know. I, right. I think there there really was, you know, a belief that we'd kind of, you know, we'd pulled out all the stops. Right. Like the cast was doing a great job. I, we were telling the stories we wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, and, and we were having a great time. So it, maybe there was a little bit of like cognitive dissonance going on. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of hope and belief that the that the show would continue, sure. you know, maybe in, in that vein. Um, so, yeah, it was it was disappointing. But, yeah, I mean, I can remember the scene that, you know, was filmed. It was the day when uh, Scott Bakula was, you know, dressed in his original series uniform and standing on top of the shuttlecraft giving a big speech. And he's, like, amazing in the scene. He had, like, just learned, like, minutes before that the show had been canceled. Right. And he that, – that's, like, one of my favorite performances right, of his yeah. ever in the whole series. He yeah. just gives it his all. And he was – Archer was really great at giving speeches. Scott as well, clearly. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, but I, th- I think they also, in creating those sets, 
they put so much the, the production department put so much time and money and love into it that the remaining episodes we did have to were a little shortchanged. Right, <laughs> looked a little small in comparison. But I think that was again out of the love they wanted to. We're going to rebuild those sets. This is our swan song. Let's do it right. right. Let's pour our hearts into it. They put all that together over Christmas break, right? Yeah. Um, which I think also helped. And but they'd also already designed a lot of it for for the uh, Deep Space Nine episodes, right? Right. And they just dug up the even though they hadn't actually built it at the time, right? Um, I was lucky enough. I guess this was back. This was '96, which was the 30th anniversary. I was working on the Paramount lot. Uh, not having really anything to do with Star Trek at the time, and uh, and, I, and I heard through the grapevine that they were filming, uh, they were filming Trials and Tribulations. Yeah. So I, a friend and I snuck onto the set, <laughs> and they did have a full length of corridor, which was super cool. Right. So you, that was like sort of my first experience walking down that corridor. Yeah, yeah. The lights were off, and there was some plastic hung everywhere. But for a moment, you're on. The Starship Enterprise, the the one you remember as a kid, and it was, it was pretty incredible. And then to recreate that, you know, ten years later, I used to do that all the time because you know it, I, everyone was so familiar with me because I would be on the set so much for the articles I was doing for Cine Fantastic. I remember my dad came to visit, and um, I said, "You want to see the the Star Trek sets?" He said, "Sure." So this is before nine eleven. We just breezed onto the Paramount lot. And then uh, they were on location or something. So I just walked on the sets and took my dad on a set tour just completely. Like, just, <laughs> I remember I got pictures of him, and he was very sick at the wall. He had cancer, and, and, and um, you know, of him in, in, in the sick bay, you know. And, did you know, he get to sit in the captain's chair? He did, actually. See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a big tarp on it, but uh, he did. But I remember sick bay, and it was just we did the whole, whole uh, to- set tour. It was like the Mark Altman <laughs> Star Trek set tour. I tried to do that, and I think. It was 1994. I, I was new on the Paramount lot again, not working for Star Trek, and uh, I got chased off the set of Generations by mm. Jonathan Frakes. Well, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> the further you can be away from Generations, the better off <laughs> you are. <laughs> so funny because you know, uh, look, I, I said some horrible things about that movie, and um, uh, I was in fact I remember it opened about the same time as Stargate, and uh, I, I I was quoting the star full page Stargate ad in the LA in New York Times and the LA Times says forget Star Trek Seven go see Stargate again, and boy <laughs> I, they were pissed at me for a while, and um, but I just I just loathed uh, Generations and missed opportunity and and for a long time, you know, Brandon was actually more understanding but Ron was really really angry with me, and uh, um, but then they. You know, over time, started to dislike the movie almost as much as I did. <laughs> and it's so funny because I think if you listen to their most recent audio commentary on Generations, they're very they're kind of ragging on it. You're kind of ragging on it. And look, I mean, the movie was made. You know, everyone was exhausted from uh, that final season and and all good things, which was a movie. You know, better movie. It was a movie, mm-hmm. and so they go right into Generations with no break. Everyone's completely fried. And and it shows. And, you know, look, I really never liked the way that they use Shatner in the movie. And it's just not a great – look, this is not the Generations episode, but um, uh, it, it's uh, – Let's talk about only the good yes, things. Yes, let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Good things that that, that like. was part of what we want to do with this podcast. Is, and you we know, like the mirror universe. We, we talked about in this age of toxic <laughs> fandom, it's about, you know, extolling the good and not uh, not trashing the bad. You know, we'll just avoid the the things we don't like. Good because must always destroy evil. Is that true? Abe Lincoln? Well, <laughs> it's only true if good is very, very careful. <laughs> but what would, what would Mirror Lincoln say? Mirror Lincoln would say, 
He's dead too. God, you know, I gotta tell you, I would love to see the mirror version of the Savage Curtain. That would be That'd so be awesome. Evil Abe Lincoln. Right. That would be fantastic. And and, and good, good Colonel Khan. Green. Good yeah. Genghis Khan. Right. It's a really nice Genghis Khan, played by Chris Pine. He's he's Colonel Lavender in the <laughs> Colonel Lavender. in the in the mirror universe. Oh, oh my, my goodness. God. That's hilarious. It sounds great. The unsavage curtain. The, <laughs> the sweet curtain. The sweet curtain. <laughs> the Jane curtain. Um, so, oh, mirror, man. mirror. Uh, theoretically, that's what we're supposed to be talking about on this episode. And uh, look. Well, and it's interesting that we all have beards. That's true. That's true. That's true. But you really, it's more about the goatee. So, our, our counterparts in the other universe. <laughs> Are, are talking clean about are clean shaven and talking about only the things they hate about Star Trek. So, but but, Those but we're guys. supposed to be the evil versions, <laughs> right? I know, but we're in this universe. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just a switcheroo. Da, 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 da. Do you, you remember know. the first time you saw Mirror Mirror? I mean, you probably don't. It's it's you probably saw it as a yeah, kid. Yeah, not the not the first time. Um, I remember thinking that it was uh, as a kid. I was a little embarrassed. I mean, because. You know, Marlena Moreau, is that her name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Barbara I mean, Luna. Barbara Luna. The lovely Barbara Luna. Who uh, came by to visit the set when we were, you know, 30, 40 years later right. making uh, In a Mirror Darkly. And I was lucky enough to get my picture taken with her. And she still look, looks like uh, a million bucks. Um, yeah, you know, as a, you know, five, well, I was probably like seven or eight when I saw it. But, you know, it, it felt a little, uh, you know, it was kind of dirty Star Trek. And I was a little <laughs> like, you know, should, yeah. I, should, I be, should I be watching this? Did mom and dad know? I'm the captain's woman and I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go through every, uh, uh, every officer in the fleet if I have to. <laughs> you could. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! But you know, look again—totally empowered woman. I mean, she yeah. saw what she wanted, and she got it, and she was nobody's fool. And I mean, at the end, she—you know—spoiler alert: she faces off in the, in the transporter room and demands to be taken along. And she's the architect of the revolution, along with Spock. Sure, you know, so she is like. Uh, and her know. character really was the inspiration for what we ended up doing with Mirror Hoshi mm-hmm. in, in my episode all those years later, where she, I remember just we were kind of joking in the room. <laughs> Like, well, let's make Hoshi the captain's woman. And, you know, were they going to let us do that? Nobody nobody said you can't do that. <laughs> right, right. We hadn't seen a captain's woman in, you know, 40 years. And I thought, okay. And we ran with it. And Linda Park did a, a terrific job. Best um, she ever was on the show. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was her favorite episode. I've, I've seen her give interviews that, yeah. uh, about it. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. But then, yeah, to have her character, spoiler alert, basically, <laughs> be the one who ends up on top in many ways. Uh, you know, besting uh, Archer was was a lot of fun. So well, great. That that's what's so fun about the mirror universe is that you get to see these characters that you've grown to know and love, and see them in ways that are completely uh, switcheroo from what you know them as, or see them reacting to this world that is completely upside down compared to what they're used to. Well, it's funny because I I was very conscious of. Something was in my mind when, when I was writing uh, the two episodes I did. Was I was trying not to make it opposite universe, right. which I felt had kind of – the mirror universe, universe itself had kind of become a little jokey or too jokey, I, I think, in some ways. And it was easy right. to uh, just make everything the reverse of what it was, um, which to me wasn't all that you know deep and interesting. Sure. So I was trying to find like nuance – 
Um, and like for you know, Archer, of course, was, you know, a very heroic character in the Prime Universe, right. and it was it was you know I needed to take on him for you know what was Mirror Archer like? So he was insecure. He was. He was kind of a – he saw conspiracies everywhere. He was very, you know, Trumpian in, in certain <laughs> ways. Not that we were predicting uh, our president, but um, – and paranoid. And, again, it wasn't, wasn't the opposite of what Archer right. was. But he was still someone who you could sympathize with and, and understand. And so just not making everybody, you know, quote, unquote, evil. I mean, honestly, for me, the reason why the original episode holds up so well uh, you know, Jerome Bixby, you know, his concept, great job writing, probably, I imagine, with, you know, maybe a Gene Kuhn or Roddenberry stepping in there. But Nimoy's performance in that is mm-hmm. so wonderful and yeah. subtle. Shatner's great, but Shatner's basically playing Kirk. Right. Um, but Well, he, there's nothing he, subtle about Shatner's performance in the <laughs> best of ways. Sure. You know, I mean, that scene where they're being taken to the brig. You know, well, he's as, trying to... when he's Mirror Kirk. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the only time you actually see Mirror <laughs> yeah, Kirk. Right. And they're all kind of like, and I think, I imagine they're playing off of Bill, who's kind of going over yeah. the top. I told you, let me go. And <laughs> You want credits? I can get them for right. you. <laughs> You'll be a rich man. Command your own? I can swing that too. Right. <laughs> but, but, but Nimoy's Mirror Spock was, is, was so layered. He's and he was so badass and he's honorable. And he's yeah. uh, he really wasn't powerful. That different from he the wasn't original. that and that's different. what made him. If he'd been an opposite Spock, it would have just. I think the episode would have been unwatchable. Yeah, and, and no, not it's, mem- it's, not as memorable. it's absolutely true that it's not opposite universe, or else the Hawkins would be the most warlike uh, race mm-hmm. in, in, in that's a good point. the universe. You know, and that was you know when I uh, Jim Conway, who directed the first episode that I did, we were. I remember Manny Cotto and I kind of sat him down and said, "No, here's what we don't want to do. You know, we 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 don't want to we don't want everyone to be doing opposite and evil versions right. of themselves. We really got to rein it in and make it subtle." Um, I mean, Mark, you you pointed out that you know Next Gen never really did a Mirror Universe episode, um, but I you know for me, I think like yesterday's Enterprise was kind of their version of that. Bit, yeah. Um, I, I and I can totally understand why Rick and people in charge at the time we thought that the mirror universe was just a little too broad for for what they were trying to do yeah i think um, people kept asking him too you know were you ever gonna do mirror universe and i think that's exactly what rick thought you know that that it was i know too a few big people too... pitched, pitched mirror uh episodes. oh i think that was yeah. you know particularly because they were you know had an open pitching process so there were a lot of fans coming in they must have heard mirror mirror stories sure. like all the time oh yeah, no, no doubt. I, I'm sure there were a bunch pitched uh, on Enterprise too, and I do know that even during the first couple of years of Enterprise, there that the Mirror Universe was on the you know on the no fly list. Basically, we're yeah. never going to do that episode, so uh, don't bring it up. And, you know, it's so interesting because yeah, it, it can easily go off the off the rails. Now, um, Bixby had such a great concept, which was based on you know Two Way Street, his uh, short right. story. Um, that inspired, um, you know, this this concept that he he ultimately pitched, and and I think you're right. I mean, there is a subtlety to Mirror Mirror, as big as it gets, um, but Spock is almost, uh, you know, Conan Doyle esque in sort of puzzling out what's really going on. Yeah. You know, whereas Sulu is just spying on their conversations. But it's so great to see, you know, Sulu with the scar, you know, right. and um, uh, you know, and, and when you think and about it, attracted most attracted to Uhura. Yeah, right. Because it's the mirror universe, and he um, he uh, is um, you know for an episode that largely takes place in um, uh, in, in sick bay, it's a completely riveting episode. And you know, as they're puzzling out this mystery, 
Uh, it, it, and it even starts with that, you know, that cold teaser where you're on the, you know, the Hulk and, pla- Hulk and planet and that great Jerry Finnerman lighting, sure. you know, with the ion storm about to happen. Right. And it's just stunning. And, and the whole concept of how they show the reversal, you know, flipping the Enterprise. I mean, it's just it's such a and great, great music. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful episode. It's extremely well crafted. And and also the writing is so good that uh lets you go on the journey of discovery with our characters to find out what situation they're in. Well, I was going to make that argument, you know, because people talk about how Naked Time really stripped away the veneer of these characters and got you to understand, you know, and, you know, Captain Kirk was in love with the ship more than any woman, that uh, Spock, uh, you know, was concerned about always being in control. And, and it's wonderful in terms of what it did early on in terms of establishing these, these characters. But I, I feel like... Uh, Mirror Mirror did that in a very powerful way as well um, by looking at their doppelgangers, but also, you know, by how they functioned in this uh, in this world. And of course, it's one of those great Shatner command decisions where, you know, what's he going to do as Captain Kirk when he's ordered to annihilate the Halkins and then has to make this right. decision, you know, because you could easily say, oh, it's the Mirror Universe, who cares? And I'm just going to. And of course, he finds a way to avoid and then. One of the great speeches, one of the great Shatner speeches in the history of Star. If we were doing the episode on great Shatner speeches, I mean, obviously, Which we will in the future. There's a taste mm-hmm. of Armageddon, you know, right. where you know war is a, which is a thing that makes it to be feared, and right. uh, you know, but I'm not going to kill today. But his speech to Spock at the end of Mirror Mirror is one of the great Shatner speeches sure. of all time. Right. You know, this whole. Uh, you know, be the captain of your enterprise and make it stick, and you know, saying that you can change things. That's why I was so offended by the Deep Space Nine episode when Deep Space Nine finally did crossover, which right. is not one of their better Mirror episodes. They actually get a lot better. But the whole idea that by Kirk convincing Spock to overthrow the Terran Empire, he basically condemns humans to uh, eternal servitude and slavery under the uh, Bajorans and the Klingons. And it's like basically saying, you know, Kirk not only did not make things better, he completely screwed things up. Right. You know, it's like, you know, it was like a F you to the original. It was kind of, it was the Alien 3 of the uh, <laughs> of the Mirror Universe episodes. Do you, I mean, you remember Crossover? I, I felt that was a bit of a dud that first time. I, I, I remembered it. I, I, I've watched it maybe twice over all these years. And uh, I just remember, for reasons like that, just sort of turning off on the idea that, well, that's not how the mirror universe should have worked, and that's not what would have happened. I know in my mind that's not what would have happened. But then I, I, I found that they rebounded um, because I thought Through the Looking Glass and Shattered Mirror, which were uh, right. later, were both terrific. Almost a century ago, a Terran starship captain named James Kirk accidentally exchanged places with his counterpart from your side due to a transporter accident. Our Terrans were... Barbarians then, but their empire was strong. While your Kirk was on this side, he met a Vulcan named Spock and somehow had a profound influence on him. Afterwards, Spock rose to commander-in-chief of the empire by preaching reforms, disarmament, peace. It was quite a remarkable turnabout for his people. Unfortunately for them, when Spock had completed all his reforms, His empire was no longer in any position to defend itself against us. Us, the Alliance, the historic coming together of the Klingons and the Cardassians. 
And Bajor is a part of this alliance. We've been under Terran occupation for decades. When we were freed, we petitioned for entry and were accepted. We have become quite an influential power within the alliance. And I think that has to do a little more with the slight change in tone. Well, they were more fun, if I remember. Exactly. I mean, they were a lot more probably fun. Probably 20, 25 years since I've seen them. I mean, for me, there's that, there's that quote from, I think it's Brent Spiner, who says Star Trek is a cross between doing Shakespeare and putting a Superman cape around your neck and running around the house. And nothing, I think, exemplifies that more than the mirror universe. Yeah, and I think if, it's point. very easy to, to tip one way or the other absolutely. and just be super silly or be super serious. And I think, I think Mark, you're absolutely right. When they got back to a, a slightly lighter touch to those stories, they, they were able to walk that line. And yet they also dealt with something I felt, and it maybe was not mined as powerfully as it could have been, uh, but it also dealt with something a lot more subtle, which is this idea that now that Cisco finds himself in the mirror universe, he sees his dead wife. He's reunited with his dead wife, which is such a great uh, um, there's so much heart in that, the, the idea that you've lost someone, that they've died, and now you're seeing them again, but they're not exactly, it's sort of vertigo, you know, it's yeah. like, and, 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 and to me, like, I thought that was a really interesting idea that they didn't quite explore to the level they could have, but um, it gave it a, a lot more substance, and it, it gave you a different way in. The, the whole Jake uh, and, and, and Ben Sisko aspect of it, really, and, and then O'Brien sort of being this rebel. Um, and, of course, look, let's face it, the, the, the Nana visitor in love with herself, the whole lesbian, I'm in love with my, you know, I don't know if it's lesbian or narcissism, but the way that she played that with such relish, um, you know, she really went, you know, went there with that role of Kieran Reese being, you know, completely attracted to herself, which made so much sense given the way that she was playing this large in life, this intended, sure. this, you know, and it, it, it's so much fun. And I, I think that Deep Space Nine, as they often did uh, when it when it was firing on all cylinders, you know, really did it well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Damn you. And I have to admit, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit that I don't think I ever saw the... Um, uh, that the final episode they did in the Mary Universe, the Emperor's New Cloak, which was a Quark episode, and if I did, I put it completely out of my mind. Hmm. It's uh, it, it's along the same lines. It's it's certainly fun. Is yeah. that the one with uh, Worf? Maybe Worf in the in in, in uh, command of a Klingon ship, and he had Garrick on a leash, or, or is that a dream of mine? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> or a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a dream to me. It sounds like something they're doing on Melrose Avenue right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Star Trek, um, uh, the, the Star Trek, uh, what do they call it? Um, Discovery? No, no. <laughs> no, they're doing a lot of the cabaret, Star Trek cabaret, you know. Oh, kind of stuff right. Like that, so. Yeah. Um, it's all right. Okay. Uh, That's where we should be doing this podcast right it's, now. It's interesting, though. I, uh, I was involved a lot with uh, fan films earlier in this decade. And uh, one of the ideas that we had was as an experiment to try and tell the story of Mirror Mirror from the other side. Oh, to follow the Mirror characters and their exposure to our universe, right? And see how that worked out. Mm. How they could, because I don't think they could survive that long if that's actually how they were acting. but it would be interesting to show them just as smart and as uh, clever as our characters and having to deal with the uh, the real universe, real, quote-unquote, 
uh, and to see Spock as the one who figured it out. You know, mm. Spock is the one who found out the differences. Now, why did you know you guys never do it? Did you just not figure out a way to break it? Or well, there or? was a little thing called a lawsuit that uh, oh, shut so down that was fan something films. that, that you was something were uh, that we were going to do. Oh, that's fairly uh, a couple of years ago. That's a really uh, yeah. uh, you know fun idea. I thought it was too. Sort of a Rashomon. Yeah, exactly. Right exactly. We lucked out when we were um, uh, working on my two episodes. We wanted to have Sulu's viewer. You know, built into the helm, rise out of it. But we, and so I put it in the script and got a call from the, uh, you know, production department saying this is just going to take two, you know, we're building a bridge, we're recreating this entire ship. We can't have Sulu's viewer actually come out, but we can build one, it'll be just a plant on. So it'll it'll be there in the up or down position. And and we decided like no we need to see it rise up. Well, that's a great sound up. effect too when it comes right. Out. <laughs> yeah. 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 It takes like five minutes too, <laughs> like, and you just hang on it the whole time. Um, so they it, so the production department I had no idea they they'd done this. I guess they called is it James Crowley? James Cawley. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, and because yeah. he had I guess they had just started they making those films. They had one, yeah. and they and so Paramount bought it from him. Yeah, and we built it into our helm console. Oh, that's so funny. And and then and then I'm on the set, and I noticed I had to actually put in the script the moments where it actually does rise <laughs> out. Otherwise, they wouldn't have used it. Right. And then I had to sit on the set and make sure the director actually. Included it. it in the shot <laughs> um, because they either wanted it all the way up or all the way down. I was I'm like, no, so glad you were focused it on what's important. Once exactly. in the original series, character motivation, story. It only story. happens once in the original series. Is that right? Is that Where true? you actually see it moving up. Well, which episode? The the first one of the third season. In Spock's brain. Spock's brain? Yeah. No way. Yes, sir. We, we this beloved aspect of the show <laughs> is, is from Spock's brain. I believe it is. God, who knows? I'm, I'm sure we'll get emails telling me I'm completely wrong. But the kids text these days; they don't even email oh, anti-diluvian okay. emails. Like <laughs> emails for old people. Yeah, emails for old people. <laughs> so you know, for the younger audience, they're going to be texting you, right? And you can reach Darren at. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, they're going to be very upset. But you know, I, I think that what's cool too about your episodes for Enterprise is not only the sequels to um, um, uh, Mirror Mirror, but Tholian Web. Which was so great, a sure. great way to retcon Tholian Web that Interphase was actually taking the Defiant into the uh, the mirror universe. I-, I love that. That was actually the genesis of, of the entire story. I always wanted to do a sequel to Tholian Web just because <laughs> I'm a fanboy. Um, and I had pitched, I think it was back in season two, where Prime Universe Archer came across uh, basically a battle between two aliens who had found the Defiant, which in that version would have just gone back in time 100 plus mm. years. And it was not a great idea. There was like, what could we actually do with it? Could Archer even see it? Could they go on board? Right. Would they have to keep it secret? There were like so many problems. They could be in those gravity suits, you know, with their hands going like this. Right. <laughs> Made for great toy was not a great costume. But I hung on to the idea. And then years later, when we were like banging our heads against the wall, trying to come up with a mirror universe story, and we had an idea that would have evolved, involved uh, Bill Shatner that was kicked around for a while. Yeah. And then we ultimately could not afford him. Um we were desperate for an idea, and I was like, "Hey, I'll do this it, thing. but you have to pay me." <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I, I, I paid them. Yeah. To, to oh, them. we would all chipped in. You know, now you could have kickstarted it. Just like, oh, you know, Sh- you know, Sh- Shatner wants his quote for this. Well, you know, we'll. I mean, it's it's interesting because, I mean, I know a little bit about that whole you know Emperor Tiberius pitch that the Reeve Stevens came up with. I actually yeah. think yours is cooler. <laughs> as much as I would have loved to have seen Shatner play Mirror Kirk again. Yeah. Um, 
You know, uh, I, I think what, you know, ultimately that's it's such a fun conceit and that it takes place entirely in the mirror universe. And you had the whole um, alternate credit sequence. To, Which is a lot of fun. It's, it's, compl- it's so imaginative and, and, you know, for a show that was so risk averse. And I'm not talking about Enterprise. I mean, this whole era of Star Trek shows to, to sort of lean into it and do something, you know, that out there. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, people love that epi- those episodes so much. Well, I, I mean, I was really helped by the fact that at that point, UPN, Paramount, j- just, they just they didn't care. They were checked out. They yeah. just didn't care. <laughs> and we could kind of do what we'd wanted. And it was so liberating. I've never had an experience like that in television since. Um, but, you know, I guess to have, you know, the guillotine hanging over your show is yeah, terrible that you're not going to be able to come back to work next season. But Nothing frees the mind so yeah. much as the uh, uh, onslaught of death. No, it's funny. And, and Star Trek really thrives when people – when there's apathy among the higher-ups. You know, if you look yeah. at – you know, NBC, you know, was sort of checked out on the, the original very early on, you know, and they were able to do some really, really cool things. And then, you know, you get to Deep Space Nine where they're sort of like looking at the shiny new toy that's Voyager and don't care right. about Deep Space Nine, which is when Deep Space Nine gets really good. Enterprise gets really good in the final season, you know, and, and you know, it's sort of the same thing with the movies where, you know, after Star Trek Two, just make it cheap and we don't care. Right. And then, you know, it's 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 such a such a good movie. So it, it, and then you have something like Generations where the studio was really focused on what this movie was going to be. And um you know, you see how that turned out, as we've talked about previously. Mm. So it's 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 very interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't been on a lot of shows either where the network isn't really involved. But it, it's a like you said, a blessing and curse. When I was doing Agent X, we were barely getting any na- agent uh, network notes, and we knew we were going to be canceled because it's like they literally didn't. We could have done anything, and I kept saying in the writers' room, "We can do anything. Right. Let's do something cool. Right. Nobody cares." Right. You know, it's it's like I, I, Ira Bear has this great quote about Deep Space Nine and 50-Year Mission, where he says the eye of Sauron is pointed elsewhere, so right. we can do all this stuff over here while Mount Doom is, you know. And I love that analogy, and it's true, and he took advantage of the opportunity. I mean, pushed Deep Space Nine about as far as you could have pushed Star Trek at the yeah. time. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. But so, what, so what I assume, what's your favorite Mirror episode? My favorite? Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd have to be the original. It'd have to be the original. Darren? Good answer. I'm just checking that off here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to say Mirror Mirror because it's, uh, you know, it's a uh, an excursion into a brand new universe after you've been in Star Trek for, you know, at least a year. And it's uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see the changes in your uh, in your main characters and how they react to this completely different situation. Well, and, and it's it, it's certainly one of my top ten episodes of all time. I mean, you know, you forget when you were a kid. This is before, long before Netflix and streaming and video on demand, and when you had it on VHS and DVD. So you're just waiting. You're looking either in TV Guide or if you don't have TV Guide that week. You don't know. You just turn on the TV and are hoping it's a good one. You're hoping it's not Spock's brain or for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. You know, you're, you're, and, and when when you see that, you know, and you immediately know because there's bright pink planet and, you know, the Hulkins and you're like, oh, it's Mirror Mirror. You're right. so excited. It's like, oh, my God. And I still remember the, the, the excitement you would get over the fact that, you know, it would be that, you know, that or if, if the Cordrazine is being injected into McCoy. I mean, there are a couple <laughs> right. of episodes where you just knew immediately. And it was like, name that tune. I can name that in five well, notes. That, that was the old game that we used to play. How how quickly into the episode can you identify the name of it? See, we should do that on the podcast one day. We should just <laughs> like do like see how quick 
you can name that episode, you know. And I mean, I used to be really good at it. I wonder now how good I would be at it. I mean, the original I probably could still do in three notes, Mm -hmm. two notes. Um, (laughs) You know, next gen, I probably in most cases can do pretty quick. Once we get past that. The great thing is if you do it with Shatner, it takes the whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen this before. do you feel there were any missed opportunities with the Mirror Universe that the show... I mean, would it have been interesting for Next Generation to do Mirror Mirror? Or did the, that cast and those characters not lend itself to that? I mean, you mentioned yesterday's Enterprise in a way as a Mirror story. Like, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Next Gen... And I feel like they've done this in like the comic books or the novels. Haven't they? They done. I think, some... I think the comics and novels have done mirror in like every Star Trek ever. You know, I mean, it's 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 such a fan thing that they always come right. back to it. You know. Well, well, I was trying to get my head into the mirror universe uh, when, before I was writing this episode, and so I, obviously I'd seen Mirror Mirror and all the Deep Space Nine episodes I'd rewatched. But there was a there was a book I think Diane Duane had written called Dark Mirror. Oh yeah, 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 I remember that. Sure, and uh, and it was it was I think it was the Enterprise D crossing over into the Mirror Universe or, or vice versa, and crossover I guess hadn't been written yet, so the Terran Empire was still a thing, and um, so I, I I I read that, and uh, it was a great story. It was a great rollicking story, um, but I, I don't know. I feel like Deep Deep Space Nine did their own thing with it, and they yes. they went their own their own way. When much like Fleetwood Mac, exactly. <laughs> Oh Something God. I really wanted to do because there was a question when I was coming up with the story: Did the Terran Empire already exist? Because the Terran Empire very much seemed to be like you know an analog to the Federation, mm-hmm. and the Federation in that Star Trek time frame wasn't a thing yet. But I, I wanted to bring the Empire back. I, that that was for me what was missing about the Deep Space Nine episodes. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's kind of the fun of it. The, yeah. the totally. Roman Empire never fell. Yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So I, I really yeah, Tiberius, wanted. Tiberius. I mean, yeah, exactly. Tiberius. Yeah. So and and I even put you know some allusions to that in the script and and. Part of Archer's speech was very, you know, Caesar-like and had echoes of that. So, yeah, I, I, having having the Empire be uh, having not fallen, or in the time frame of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, have it come back. Yeah, I'd love to see. You know, yeah. maybe they're going to do that in the Picard spinoff. Yeah, I mean, I I, I always felt that I, I would have loved to have seen it in Next Generation, and uh, I think it would be interesting if if it were done right, and I have no idea how it would be done right. I wonder That's if it's Quentin's idea for uh, the movie. There have been talk of wanting to do uh, one of those movies in the Mirror Universe. I mean, Carl Urban's a super fan. I think he's mentioned it. Yeah. And I wonder if that's Quentin's idea because Quentin always has said, you know, he said this for a long time that he had an idea for even long before they ever brought him into the fold to do a Star Trek movie. Right. That he had an idea based on an original episode. To do uh, a, you know a, a, a contemporary Star Trek movie, it's never been done in any of the movies. I wonder if that's his idea to do the Murray Universe. Well, hmm. if it is, you heard it here first. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally speculating. I'm not basing it on any knowledge I have. I mean, you know, the times that I've talked to Quentin about Star Trek, it, we never discussed his idea. He talked to he told me about his idea for James Bond, but he never said anything about Star Trek other than he was a big Free Enterprise fan um, and a Shatner fan. Which is why I, I hope if he does do the Star Trek movie, that uh, he gives Shatner the rousing send off that he deserves. Yeah. Um, That'd be awesome. It would be really cool. Um, but this was great. I, I really enjoyed talking uh, Mirror Universe, uh, and I wonder what our, our counterparts, counterparts are doing in right the now. other universe. Are doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to listen in on that podcast and hear what they're saying. 
anyway, uh, again, uh, Mike, uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining us. It's great having Mike, Michael Sussman here with us. And if they want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, gosh, what is my Twitter handle? I think it's underscore Michael Sussman. Okay, and making it easy for everybody. <laughs> and, uh, Darren, if they want to continue the conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Darren Doc with one R. And I'm at uh, Mark A. Altman and uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a new Inglorious Trexperts uh, Twitter uh, handle, which is Inglorious Trexperts. So if you could spell it, you could find us. <laughs> uh, Inglorious Trexperts at, uh, on Twitter. And uh, we hope that you'll join us next week as well as on the uh, 4.30 movie where Darren, myself, uh, and others curate a week of fantasy... Fantasy. <laughs> where Darren and I curate a week of fantasy themes uh, movie. Darren, could you explain what the 430 movie is, please? It's great. You'll love it. Just tune in. There you go. Thanks. Anyway, uh, live long and pro. I really don't want to say that. Don't I hate say that. that. Do I, I, I? It's not appropriate for a mirror universe I, theme show. No, exactly. May the trek be with you. I'm going to press the button Just on the Tantalus field in a second and send you both to uh, wherever that goes. Um, thank you, guys. This was great. Good night, sweetheart. All my prayers are for you. Sweetheart, I'll be watching all.